here we are, we're live. All right, hey, welcome everyone. I'm Brian Horning here with Reginald Andre. We are now at episode number four for Security Squawk. And uh, we are in between the, the weird week of Christmas and New Year's. I'm actually broadcasting from my house uh, because I am trying to lay low this week from out of, out of the office. I had a good Thanksgiving or a good Thanksgiving, good Christmas. Andre, how was your Christmas? No, it was awesome. I went to visit some family in uh, Tampa and Naples, so it was really fun. Nice. Naples, huh? Mm-hmm. Nice yeah. Weather. What's the weather like over there? This time? Oh, it, was, it was cold, man. It was like in the 60s, like freezing. Oh, geez. We actually haven't been that bad here. We've been, we've been mm-hmm. in the 40s, 50s, got up to like 60 yesterday. Um, beats it was a couple weeks ago, it was like 15 degrees, was the high. So, so, um, anything interesting happened this week in, in your business? Um, no, it's actually been a little slow this week. Everybody is, um, off for, off for the holidays, so it's, um, pretty, pretty slow this week. Nice, yeah. So, I don't know, we, we had, we, we, uh, we got into the hard drive pulverizing business, I guess. So we have a new toy in the office where we pulverize wow. hard drives. So that's exciting. Yeah. You know, because you can't just throw your equipment in the dumpster, right? Right. People don't. People might not know that. Don't dump. Don't throw your hard drives and your computers in the dumpster, folks. Make sure you dispose of them properly. So. We've probably accumulated a lot of drives over the years um, and paid companies to do that for us. So we just mm-hmm. it was a smart investment to to purchase one and, and handle that ourselves. So pretty cool, pretty cool device. Um, so other than that, I don't think I have anything exciting. It is that week between Christmas and New Year's. I'm not even in the office, so I don't, quite frankly, I don't have my ear to the ground in terms of what's going on in the office. Um, how often do you get out of the office? Well, <laughs> prior to COVID, I would I would actually purposely work out of the office. Um, I would like work at a local coffee shop. Because right. when I'm in the office, it's always like, hey, Andre, hey, hey, Andre, like all of these questions. But when I'm out of the office, nobody asks me any questions. They figure it out on their own. So I, I actually, um, it's, it's not a WeWork, but it's kind of just like a, a, co- a local coffee shop and they allow people to work there. Mm-hmm. And as long as you're buying drinks and, you know, the breakfast and the lunch, they don't mind you just, you know, working out of there. So um, I've actually started to go back, but I try my best not to come to the office because as soon as I come to the office, everybody just leans on me and wants to ask dozens of, dozens of questions. So, is it pot? Some is it possible for you to institute something like uh, orange cone time? You know what orange cone time is? No. All right. So orange cone time is. Uh, and to give credit where credit is due, this came from uh, Robin Robbins. Okay. Uh, who, if you're in our industry, I'm pretty sure you know who she is. But Orange Cone Time is essentially uh, what she used to do when, when it was like that in her office. And I 
I instituted something similar, except I didn't put an orange cone outside the door of my office. Um, I just notified people and told them, like, from this time to this time, you know, don't bother me. Um, but that was really the way I did my orange cone time. But essentially, you you either shut your door or put your and put an orange cone outside of it, or put an, an orange cone outside your door, and that signals to people to not come in and bother you like it you know you need time to do the things in your that you need to do in the business and can't be interrupted um and that's was kind of the suggestion if you were ever part of robin robin's uh group that's pretty a pretty common tactic that they teach um so you know people can pull their heads out of the business and work on the business is that something that you think could fly at your business or people would just walk right through it no no that would fly but i also like the the fact that like when i'm outside of the office the creativity flows i'm like focus offline mode because you know even we have thin walls here some sometimes i'm even hearing the the, the conversations yeah. that the employees are having and then i'm like no 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 and then i start you know micromanaging so it's kind of yeah. like i step out and let them you know for the most part make their mistakes if you want to call it that and then let them learn and let them grow. That's, that's exactly why I'm out in the office this week. It's, you know, um, the, the meetings got canceled. Uh, you know, you're, they, you know, obviously a lot of the meetings in the groups that we're in together, we're not having mm -hmm. those. So um, pretty much every, all my meetings that I normally have throughout the week have been, you know, not, you know, canceled or not scheduled. So um, yesterday I just played catch up. A lot of end of year stuff, getting things out of the way that I need to get done for end of the year, paperwork, getting things ready for taxes. Um, I have, I'm switching um, benefits companies and payroll companies at the beginning of the year. So getting that paperwork knocked out. Um, there's a couple other things I had to deal with uh, in terms of payroll and stuff like that. But it's all stuff that I knew that I needed to get done. And I just pushed it to that day because I knew that Monday would be the perfect day for that because I wouldn't have a lot going on. And then the rest of the week, um, you know, I'm hanging out with my family, you know, especially like I told you after I get off, off this call, um, that's it for me. So, so uh, let's jump into some cool stuff that happened this week anyway, and let's stop talking about us and our lives. So um, you, you brought to my attention this, this article on, Amazon Ring mm -hmm. and the cameras where uh, it looks like uh, people are going after Amazon because they own Ring now um, for hacks. And the headline says that it, that it led to threats and, and racial slurs. Now I know I have, I have these devices Um I don't think you can talk through the doorbells. You can, right? You can talk through the doorbells, right? Yeah, because you could, yeah, you can, yes. Yeah, that's right. So you can talk through the doorbells, and then you can also talk through the cameras. Yes, correct. So a class action lawsuit claims weak security allowed hackers to take over the smart cameras used on doorbells and in homes. Now, I know I have a... Uh, video on my youtube channel it's actually one of the first videos i think i ever did last spring 
um, where I talked about this and I basically talked about, and I don't know if this, that's what this article goes into talking about, but um, I talked about how, you know, who's to blame because you're supposed to put two factor on, you know, you're like your ring account. Um, and I know at the time when I was talking about the, the specific incidents that happened, none of the users had two factor turned on on their account. So these um, hackers were able to use basically passwords that were already out on the dark web to compromise these ring accounts. So um, why don't you tell us what's in this, what's in this article that you sent over to me? Does it sound similar to that or are you seeing something different? And then what is it that, you know, they're upset about and what are they trying to get from Amazon? Yeah, well, basically the attorneys are, are going after the money. You know, they're salivating over this case. You, they have recordings of the actual, you know, let's just say someone's daughter in the room. And all of a sudden they start having conversations about uh, telling the daughter to come closer to the camera and, you know, what are you wearing and creepy stuff like that. You had another case where um, somebody, a family's watching TV and then now someone's saying, hey, what's going on? You know, what are you watching? So um, apparently some people, they, they suffered where they moved out of their house. They were so terrified. Um, they, they lived by themselves and then they went back to go live with, with their parents because they, they were just so traumatized. So um, now uh, these attorneys are saying, well, we have 15 families and what, what other families are out there that this has happened to so that we can do a class action lawsuit. And essentially, they're blaming Amazon for um, or Ring for not having enough uh, security controls. Um, apparently, Ring has never told them how this happened, who it was, you know, what country these people are from, you know, have you fixed the issue? So um, they're being tight-lipped about it, and, and now they're just trying to get some more information. Yeah, so I just threw it up on the screen there, and as you were saying, this is... Uh screen cap of of them in in the living room watching tv and somebody starts talking to them on i guess their camera it looks like it's in the corner of their house and they were probably using it as a security camera mm -hmm. so um you know it what are your thoughts here do you think that you know do you think amazon needs to be worried do you think that they're just lawyers out for settlement um because I know this has been going on for some time. Yeah, I mean, I think definitely what Amazon is probably going to start doing is enforcing the two-form factor, you know, but an investigation I, doesn't... I they already have. Oh, okay. So they have, okay, because I know yeah. Nest still hasn't. Um, the other day I was um, even on my phone and they reminded me to do it, but it wasn't, it wasn't necessary. It wasn't, um, it wasn't uh, like... Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure... I am pretty sure that they, they have two-factor now. Um, okay. So, you know, it it doesn't really matter who, you know, it, it's probably going to end up if well, enough lawyers and enough people are pursuing this, Amazon's eventually, you know, going to end up paying to have it go away because it's, right. it's going to cost them too much money to keep the lawsuit going than it would for them just to pay it off right right um, yeah and that's and then a bunch of lawyers get paid and all the victims get absolutely nothing <laughs> uh, you know maybe they get a free ring camera 
uh, or you know whatever. So, um, but this, you know, from what I think about when I see things like this is, um, you know, whether or not you own the product or not. You know, if you're a small business um, that you know might install cameras or you have cameras in in your business, or really, it doesn't matter what kind of product it is. Um, this is the type of stuff that happens, especially with technology today, that if you're, you don't make sure that you're securing things, you're opening yourself up to lawsuits from all different kinds of places. Um, and Mm -hmm. I think that's the bigger takeaway for me is, um, yeah, ring or Amazon bought ring ring created what a lot of people consider to be a really good and easy to use product. Um, but at the same time, uh, they didn't force their users to use a certain level of security. They didn't implement standards uh, within their business, and they allowed the end user to choose what the standard was. Mm-hmm. And now everybody's pointing their fingers at Amazon, saying, you didn't do enough to protect these devices and protect these accounts. And Amazon just wants to say, well, we left the choice up to you. And then that, you know, that begs a question. Um, being companies like ours in our industry and the services that we provide, um, I view it and I view our company and I, and I kind of carry ourselves as such with the thought that if something happens to one of our clients, that those fingers are getting pointed directly and squarely at us. Um and that's why I, you know, I've, I've debated about this with a lot of people in our industry. Um, and, and it came up the other day, um, as you know, whether, you know, whether somebody's following your process or you're letting them, you know, mm-hmm. following theirs, right? And having standards and having a process within your business and making sure that the people that you're supplying goods and services to, or you're, um, or you're working with, you're, you're, they're your vendor and they're supplying you with a service, making sure that that whole supply chain is adhering to similar standards when it comes to security is extremely important these days, because it really doesn't matter who you put who you entrust with security, um, you have to make sure that you're setting the standard and say, this is this is the bar, we're setting the bar, and this is what you have to meet. Um, if you leave it in the hands of most people, most people are going to pick the easiest way possible for that. Um, if you don't kind of step up the standards, and that's kind of how I look at this event that you, you brought to uh, my attention earlier today and that, you know, this is a supply chain issue. This is, you allow the customer who is part of the security supply chain, you allow the customer to be the, the one who decides how, the, how, how secure their account is going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and, <clears throat> you know, if you had, a, like we, we've, we've gotten rid of every single client who's ever refused to accept the fact that they don't get admin rights. Now we work with companies 
and we figure out ways that they can have admin rights. Um, we don't, we're not as harsh to say you can never have it, but there's going to be certain things put in place in order for them to get the admin rights. Um, you know, if they have trained staff that are properly trained and certified, um, and we feel like they are, you know, good enough to have that level of access, then, you know, with certain agreements in place, we'll give them that access. Um, in the same respect, if a CEO who is a lawyer comes at me and says, I own this company, I haven't, you know, I've been in business for 25 years, I want admin rights to my systems, um, we'll educate them first. And if they still don't see, you know, why they shouldn't have these rights, then we either make them sign a, a, a liability basically release where we're not responsible for anything, even though they're paying us for that, which A, I think is ridiculous. And number two, we're going to end up getting rid of them as a client because um, the risk is then too great to our business. Where, like I said, if something were to happen to them, you know, we're still getting the finger pointed at us. Yeah. Um, and, and that's, you know, as you can see here, you know, the customers of Amazon, they were the ones, in my opinion, who were at fault that they want to point the finger at Amazon saying, you know, nobody ever told us. Right. Um, which, you know, is common in, in our business. And if you don't adhere to some level of standard, you're going to end up in the same position as, as Amazon. So, so yeah, so, uh, and, you know, and the other thing too is, um, go, you know, we haven't heard much about solar winds. We haven't even talked about solar winds, right? So, and we haven't heard much about solar winds. Um, and I, you know, we talked before, before we hit record on the show today and, and, and kind of, you know, mentioned that, you know, things got tight lipped, um, probably because of the government and everything that who was involved. And, and I agree with that. And I don't think a lot of private companies want to come out and say it. Um, I know a couple of things I can share that I know that are kind of newer developments this week. We've had a lot of clients come at us with questionnaires from like their vendors. People mm -hmm. that they have bigger, you know, bigger companies that they have contracts with where those companies are sending them questionnaires, you know, asking them if they use solar winds and, you know, how are you detecting for the tools, fire eye tools and, you know, anything like that. Um, so we've had to fill out questionnaires on behalf of our clients. So I, that's unprecedented. We've never had to fill out anything like that before for any of our clients' businesses. Um, you know, when a, when a breach happens um, and then get a questionnaire, do you use these tools? That's never happened before. Uh, and then the other thing is, is that there's a slew of law firms who are kind of out there, press releases or whatever you want to call it, are out there saying that they're going to sue or they're going to, they're opening an investigation against SolarWinds. Um, my guess would be that they have one or many clients that use SolarWinds tools that have gone to these attorneys. And now these attorneys are like, okay, we're representing this company, that company, that company. And, you know, we're probably going to find out who these companies are if this ever ends up in court. My guess is, is a lot of this stuff is never going to end up in court and we're never going to find out who most of the, the customers were. So, um, which is probably a good thing. There's a lot of information out there already, which is, you know, not great. So I don't, 
do you have anything to add on the solar wind stuff besides what I just added there? No, nothing else. I guess this is the time to go buy the domain, solarwindslawsuit.com or something, you know? <laughs> yeah, it certainly seems that way because there are a ton of, uh, there are a ton of lawyers coming out saying that they're opening up an investigation. Um, but, you know, it, it appears, you know, that most people are uh, jumping on board with the fact that, um, you know, it was Russia who, who, what were the perpetrators of this um and you know i i don't want to i don't want to minimize anything here but people need to understand and you know um i do talk about it in my youtube my youtube videos on my channel um about what the russians are up to but they you know the united states is not the only country that these these guys are, are hitting. They're hitting tons of countries around the world besides the United States. Um, the United States is a huge target, um, but Finland got hit, um, and we see the same type of activity. Um, they're reading emails. They're getting into people's email accounts and reading emails. Um, this is just a huge mass information gathering campaign. This mm -hmm. is not, for, as of right now, it, it doesn't appear to be um, like a malicious event where they're launching ransomware attacks and things like that. This is, you know, what we see over and over is they're just sitting on sitting on accounts and sitting on networks and sitting inside of email accounts, reading information. Um, and then Norway disclosed a similar incident in, uh, this fall as well. Um, so, you know, I wanted to just share that with everyone because everything in the news and everything, especially in the United States that you're going to see is going to be everybody that got hacked here. Um, you know, we really need to take a look at Russia and what the heck these guys are doing and why yeah. they're doing it and why they're doing it at the rate that they're doing it at. Um, uh, you know, the world needs to come back together and, you know, in my opinion, and figure this out. And, and, you know, figure out how we're going to handle this and what we're going to do, because the reality of it is, is that we could put just as many resources as they are to doing this. But what, what good is going is to is going to come out of it? You know what I mean? So, um, you know, that's my two cents on the issue. You, you know, the, we will eventually shut this down. It will eventually slow down. It will not be at this rapid pace once we focus our attention on it. Um, you know, but, you know, the, Russia isn't doing anything anyone else couldn't do. They just have a massive amount of resources being poured into it. Um, why that is, I have no idea. Um, like I said, if we wanted to do it, we could, we could do just the same and do just as much quote unquote damage as, as they're doing in my opinion. So, um, so other than that, yeah, so that's really it for, for solar winds. Not a whole lot out there. We'll probably know more, probably hear more beginning to middle of January. So um, and one more thing I wanted to mention about uh, the ring. Um, a few pointers was that this is why it's important. Like we talk about standards, like, for example, we may have to do like a, a password reset in our company for, for a client. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a lot of times we, the client may just say, oh, just make it password or make it, you know, October 
or something like that. And, you know, that's one of the things we always explain to them is like, no, that can't be your password. And then we, even if the system will allow it, we then blame it. We just said, we just tell the client, nope, that it's not going to accept it. And I even see now Microsoft is, is, is doing that where when uh, for Office 365, when the um, user is resetting their password and they're putting in their new password twice, they are actually doing dictionary checks to see. And they'll, Microsoft is now even saying, we're not going to allow you to use this as your new password for your, your Office 365. So I think that's important too uh, about the standards and, and making yeah, I mean, yeah, you, you're, you're absolutely right. And that's what I said earlier is that people need to understand that we are no longer in a place in time where we can put the onus of the security in the hands of an end user or let them be the decider on what the security level is going to be. Um, it just doesn't work and it's been proven over and over. So, yeah. um, you know, employees and, and users of, that don't like security don't get upset about it. Um, just understand that that's, you know, where we live right now until something gets invented where things can be made easier um, and the security is still in place, then, you know, I'm sure it'll be adopted very quickly. But until then, um, this is what we know and this is how we protect ourselves. So, yep. All right. So you, you brought this one up. So I'm going to let you take it here, but um, hackers, they must've got their hands on some uh, photos of celebrity. They must've hacked into a plastic surgeon's office somewhere in California. I'm going to take a wild guess. <laughs> um, but I guess they got plastic surgery photos. Mm -hmm. um, so this brings up a whole host of issues. So why don't you tell us what's going on and then we can talk about it. Yeah. So this is actually, it was actually in UK, but it's, it's the, their version of California. Okay. And um, so they, they've had um, different celebrities actually endorse this company and essentially, uh, hackers were able to go into their, you know, their database, their file share, their server, and be able to uh, get 900 gigabytes. That is a lot of photos, 900 gigabytes, almost a terabyte of data. And now they're um, telling this, um, uh, it's called the Hospitality Group. That's the name of the Plastic Surgery Center. They have 11 clinics throughout the UK. And they're basically saying, if you don't pay us the ransom, we are going to leak these photos online. So that, that's going to be a big problem because you sometimes you do have people that do plastic surgery. They may want to be discreet about it. I mean, who wants the, who wants to, if you had plastic surgery at this location, who wants to be where someone Googles your name and all of go, they click on images and now they see your, your before and after pictures, you know? Uh, we're talking about nose jobs, uh, breast enhancements, you know, clips, nips, everything. So it, it's potentially that it can all be out there. <laughs> this is this is these are always my favorite statements. Whoever has the crafty statement that your system gets creeped, I mean, you, they they really need to do a better job in school teaching these because. They come out, yep, we've been breached, and then they go, but none of our patients' payment card details have been compromised. But at this stage, we understand that some of our patients' personal data may have been accessed. I mean, 
I can get a new credit card number. I'm not so mm -hmm. sure. I want my my breast augmentation or my weight loss surgery pictures posted on the internet. Um, I assume, I don't know, probably should know this, but I don't. Um, I would assume that UK has something similar to HIPAA. Yeah, um, yeah. going to cause, you know, issues there with, I guess, this group 11, um, <clears throat> the hospital's group 11 clinics. The, what's the name of the hospital group? That's their name. It's called the hospital's group. Oh, is that what, it, is that what it's called? Yeah. Those groups, 11, okay. So they, so I would imagine that they're going to have some dealings with, with the UK government at some point. Um, and again, we're rebel who are Russians. Um, mm -hmm. probably, you know, they're, they're not the Russians that, that took out the solar winds, but they're a private Russian hacking group. Um, I've talked about rebel on my YouTube channel and rebel is just insanely um, good with stealing information um, and then holding it for ransom. Yeah. Um, and, and this hospital group, they're, they're in a big predicament right now because they have their cybersecurity insurance and probably their law enforcement, that's you know the investigative agency in that country saying, don't pay the ransom because if you pay the ransom, you're just fueling the fire. Rebel's going to continue going after more hospital group or more clinics and et cetera. Then on another side, you have patients that are saying, look, my, my wife, my, my, my family doesn't know I did this. I don't want this public that I had this plastic surgery or this is something that is so sensitive that I don't want the world to notice. And they're probably telling hospital group, you need to do whatever you got to do to make sure that my photos don't come online. And then if, and who's to know if, if hospital group pays the ransom, who's to know that Revel doesn't come back and says, hey, you know what, you know, thanks for the $5 million, but we kind of blew it and, and we, need a, we need another million. Yeah, I talk about that all the time. I, 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 I'm at the point where I believe that insurance companies need to stop paying because you, they're creating the marketplace for this. Yeah. <laughs> um, they really are. I mean... They are, they are impacting the ability for companies to think clearly about how they should handle cybersecurity when they, you know, you're basically saying to companies like, you know, this will be your get out of jail free card if you get hacked. Mm -hmm. And then now the insurance companies are like, whoa, this is a bigger problem and we don't know if this is a sustainable business model for us because we're paying out so much on the ransom. Right. It's like, well, you know, based on my life experience on how insurance works, it's only a matter of time before an industry or a business can't get cyber insurance or not only... Not only that, they're going to write out the ransomware payment out of the cyber mm -hmm. policy. Mm -hmm. So you'll have cyber insurance, but it's not going to include the payment for the ransomware. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that's kind of where things are at. I mean, they want to they want to look at everything that you're doing in terms of security before they will write you a policy now. Um, you know, that's one step, I guess, in the right direction. But continuing 
continuing to pay the ransom and to pay these criminals for they don't pay criminals when your house gets robbed. <laughs> you know what That's I mean? A good point. That is a good point. Yeah, you know, you know, like you, they bust in your house. They don't write a check to the to the robber and say, "Here you go, give me all the stuff back." I mean, right. they write it to the to the homeowner so the homeowner could replace the stuff, but they don't they don't enrich the person who robbed you, you know, and that's, that's what I don't understand about what, why they're going about this. I mean, your car gets stolen. Um, you know, you, you, if you hit somebody with your car, with a car, you know, it's not like, you know, they're, they may cover your car to get fixed, but the person you hit who wasn't, it wasn't their fault and they were the victim their car is getting fixed by your insurance company. They're not going to have to pay anything. So, um, so I don't know. So I don't know, you know, if, if, if it's ever going to stop, I imagine it will. Um, I've been reading articles myself about this uh, for insurance companies. And a lot of insurance companies are saying like, this is just not a profitable product for us. Um, and, Unless they get in the business of scrutinizing people's IT security practices, which I doubt they're going to do, they're just going to stop covering things like ransomware payments, or they're just not going to give you cyber insurance. And, you know, your only choice is, is going to be to reduce your risk and to do cybersecurity properly. Yeah. Um, your choices are, are going to get slim. And, and I kind of, I kind of agree with that because, the criminals and the people that you're paying the money to are not good people. Um, you know, and there's a lot of good businesses and good charities and good organizations out there, out there that, you know, that money could be used in those places and not sent halfway around the world to criminals. Yeah. Um, so yeah. let's jump into our last topic of the day, which um, it's holiday time, right? Mm -hmm. Companies, like to pay some companies like to pay bonuses at holiday time. Um, and our friends over at GoDaddy decided that they were going to send out uh, a phishing test uh, and promise holiday bonuses. Now, you showed this to me, and I immediately came to mind. I thought that this happened before. Or, or something similar happened many years ago, um, and employees ended up suing. Oh, wow. So ended up suing the company. Um, so I don't remember the exact, if it was a phishing test or um, if it was something else, but I do remember a while, and I feel like this was many, many years ago, like more than five years ago, where I, I you know, they got a message about bonuses or, you know, or something like that. And um, the company was like, oh, it was just a test or a fish test or something like mm -hmm. that. And then, then the company and then a bunch of employees sued. Um, so tell us what's going on here. What's going on at GoDaddy? What did they do? Well, you know, the thing is that people are calling it, you know, phishing test is one thing, but you're going to send out a phishing tech, a phishing test during a pandemic. When GoDaddy, uh, apparently they, um, they, they laid off a lot of staffers. They reduced a lot of hours. So like, you know, these people are hurting. And then now you like how, like, like 
whose head is going to roll there because someone didn't think about maybe this is not the best time to joke like this. Now, apparently they had a they had a huge click rate. <laughs> so a lot of people did fail the test, but nevertheless, it was just really, you know, at the end of the day, it was just insensitive. They they they're they're right for sending out a phishing test, but this is just not the, the proper words to say, you know. Hmm. So they they did it, and then two, it says two days later, around 500 GoDaddy employees were informed that no bonuses were coming, and they'd failed the corporate phishing test. GoDaddy's chief security officer, Demetrius Combs, wrote in the follow-up email that failing employees will need to retake the security awareness <laughs> engineering training. All right, so see, I I I I don't I come on a very um, prejudicial side of the fence here because this is the stuff that I preach, right? When, like, I don't want to hear about COVID or I don't want to hear the holidays as an excuse hmm. for failing a phishing test because this is what we train employees in, in awareness training is that you're most susceptible during these times of the year. You're more susceptible during the holidays. You're more susceptible when COVID's going on. And, and these criminals use this type of messaging to hopefully get you to do something that they don't want you doing. And as you mentioned, it went over very well. People thought they were getting bonuses and a lot of people filled it out. And um, obviously we don't get to see the, the email, right? So no. how, no. how bad was it? You know, was it, you know, did it come from a legitimate GoDaddy email, GoDaddy email address? You know, really like how bad was the email? You know, or were there very telltale signs that this was a phishing attempt and people just blew right through it? Um, I mean, I hope this doesn't turn out into like these employees thinking that they can sue this company um, because I believe GoDaddy's doing right by security and I, I commend their security officer, Mr. Combs, um, for doing this because this is the perfect example of how hackers operate. They will use these times and they will use certain events to try to get you to click on things and give you and to get you to give them information. Um, so that's how I see it. I see it. I say kudos. I say good job. This is the stuff you need to be doing. If you're upsetting your employees, you're probably doing something right. Um, you know, because you know, it, that's just how it is. Now, what, what are your, do you agree, disagree? Where no, you? you know, I, now I looked at the, the other side. I, I actually looked at it as it's very insensitive, but you're absolutely right. Right, And the fact that we saw what happened with SolarWinds, you know, apparently yeah. there was something internal may have happened and GoDaddy, they manage what? Emails, they manage SharePoint domains. I mean, this is like the keys to the kingdom. Right. And if you can get one employee's, information to then do backdoor stuff then there you go they're, the company's you know gone they're gonna be there so and, and 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 you think about it on the other side like what if this wasn't a fish attempt and it was an actual it was an mm -hmm. actual email from and then GoDaddy did end up getting hacked and then they come out and they say one of our employees failed you know failed or uh, fell for a phishing attempt by a russian hacker 
who mm-hmm. sent them an email saying that they were getting a holiday bonus. Yeah. 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 And, and then and it's a whole different script and everybody's going, well, how could GoDaddy let that happen? Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Now, right. I um, I just sent you a link. I don't know if you can bring it up. According to this, somebody posted what it how it looked on Twitter. And where did you send it to me at? Oh, on the private chat of uh, of StreamYard. Okay. So they did a screenshot of apparently what it, how it looked. If you go to the bottom. Okay. This is the holiday party one. Yeah, yeah. Which is talking about the bonus, yeah. We know for our audio, we have a lot of people on the podcast, so we'll just have to. Ex- so here, so but we don't get to see the headers. Oh, right? scroll down a little more. A little. Oh, wait, happy uh, happy holiday at uh-huh. GoDaddy.com. Uh huh. It came in on on the day before Christmas. GoDaddy holiday party. Happy holiday, GoDaddy. I mean, the word happy, happy just saying happy holiday. That would be my. That would be enough for me. Yeah. And, and scroll a little more down. Then somebody else posted yeah. a screenshot. Right there again. I'm not sure how how accurate it is, but right. And it came from HR at kappa's kappaznews.com. Yeah. So this phishing attempt is so funny and so sad. Oh, unless that's not related to the GoDaddy. So uh, uh, no, oh. no, no, no. This is this has to do with Tripub. Okay, okay. Company, but still. No, we cannot celebrate together during our annual holiday party. We want to show our appreciation and share a $650 one-time holiday bonus. To ensure that you receive your one-time bonus in time for the holidays, please select your location and fill in the details by Friday, December 18th. Any submittals after the cutoff will not be accepted and you will not receive the one-time bonus free money claimant now. We look forward to something. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. Does, does GoDaddy typically send emails like that? Like, and the fact that it just says happy holiday, GoDaddy. Like, most people say happy holidays. Right, right, right. So, so yeah, I mean, it looks pretty good, but it doesn't really matter if it looks good or bad. Um, you got to train your employees on what to look for mm-hmm. uh, because this stuff happens and um, you're, you know, you're, you're going to sit here and you're going to say, it'll never happen to my company. It'll never happen to me. Um, and then stupid little things like this are what companies employees fall for. And they end up in a lot of trouble, and people get hacked. And yeah. you know, we still don't know how Solar Winds went down. Um, that could have went down through a phishing email, or it could have been a compromised employee, or it could have been somebody who managed to upload, you know, a modified code base into their update server. Who the heck knows? But right. we're going to find out one day. We're going to know. Um, and how funny would it be if it's just somebody got in through a phishing email right yeah get, you know a certain level of network access like they did when they we called the twitter employees and were able mm-hmm. to you know take over the twitter accounts and have bitcoin sent to them 
So, so that's it, my friend. This is our last podcast for 2020. I know we just got started about a month ago, um, but I look forward to, uh, to to doing this every week for the next 52 weeks. Yeah. Time next year, we'll be at episode guys 56 or so. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, but I look forward to it. I think today's topics were were good. Um, it all has to do with businesses and how businesses need to think about these security challenges. Um, I think we do a good job of relating, you know, the actual business challenge to the technical problem. Um, yes, this is all happening. It's all technical. It's all stuff that happens on computers and internet. And a lot of business owners think I hire people to, to handle that stuff for me. Um, that can't be your attitude anymore. And we're trying to bring that awareness to people and make them understand like, this is how these things are going to impact your business. And it's not just a computer goes down. It's going to be lawsuits. It's going to be our mm-hmm. things. It's going to be, you know, having to deal with regulators and governments and insurance companies and investigators, um, lawyers, uh, who act as investigators. So, um, the web from cybersecurity, from an event spins very quickly. And I don't think businesses are fully aware of that. Um, you know, it's not, like I said, it's not about just computers going down. So keeping that awareness out there and making sure that, you know, if we can get, you know, 52 CEOs to start having discussions about, uh, cybersecurity in their meetings, in their, in their quarterly meetings with their teams, um, on a more regular basis than they are today, then I'll consider success because that's my goal is to, you know, if we can get one CEO week to listen and hear things from our perspective and make a change in how they're doing things in their business, uh, that's that's my goal for what we're doing here. So, so I wish you a happy new year, my friend. Likewise. Uh, in 2021. Uh, have anything else that you would like to add before we sign off for this episode? No, no, we're good, man. All right, man. All right. Happy new year, everyone. We'll see y'all in 2021. Thanks for listening. All right.